Yes, hello everybody. Welcome. It is UK Cowboys TV season two, episode seventy-two. Um, almost at the three-quarter century mark. And uh, if it's anything after the weekend, my voice is feeling about that old uh, with the amount of screaming and shouting I was doing. Uh, but yes, it is the post-game show from Sunday uh, from uh, the Falcons game. I think uh, we don't need to press too much on what happened. I think anyone who's uh, a human being and living currently on the planet knew exactly what happened on Sunday. Uh, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. <laughs> uh, but yeah, in order to do this show, break everything down, we have the great and powerful Jamie Smith and Paul Stewart joining the show. And then, of course, a man that needs no introduction, a guy who probably, uh, as I keep saying every week uh, when we have a guest, a man who's probably forgotten more than we will ever know about the Dallas Cowboys, the one and only, the voice of Dallas Cowboys, Mr. Brad Sham. How are you? How are you? Great to be with the UK, DC. Great to be with you guys. I just did that I'm on with you right now, so everybody can see it. <laughs> Well, thank you very much, sir. Um, no, but you. just a, 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 a quick one before we get into it. Um uh, now, obviously, the, the game on the weekend had our pulses racing, but I just thought I'd ask the question, how is Dallas, the actual city itself, after the weekend, and Dallas Cowboys, generally the staff? So, um, you know, the, uh, pleased with the win. Um, and then uh, we're now into Tuesday, so, so the, the uh, hangover fog is lifting. I know none of you guys can identify with anything like that, but uh, I'm told that when if one imbibes a little overly much, that there there can settle in a kind of a haze uh, that's deceptive, from which one then emerges at some point and says, "Oh, what was that?" And that is, <laughs> I think, the answer to your question is that's where they are. Thrilling to have the win. Now. Uh, the rest of the game, certainly the first quarter, and and most of the rest of the game was, I want to say it was forgettable, but it, <laughs> it but it can't be forgettable because you can't play like that. And so they are hard at work today uh, in Dallas. It's a little after three in the afternoon. Tuesday and a regular Sunday to Sunday week is game plan day for the coaching yeah. staff. So the players are off today. And the coaches are probably sitting in meetings, yelling at each other, asking why, you know, the, the wide receivers coach is probably asking the defensive backs coach, why are you guys so awful? You're <laughs> saying to the running backs coach, can you teach your guys not to fumble? And so they're, yeah. and once they get through all that, then they'll be putting together a game plan for Seattle. So, um, but, you know, I've communicated with uh, one or two players today and, uh, just to kind of take their temperature by <laughs> text or because it's really hard not being able to be there and see them and be limited in the contact. But Zach Martin was one I reached out to and I said, how you doing? And he said, always good after a win. So that's <laughs> yeah, as they always yeah, as they always say in um, wins, always hide bumps, bruises and injuries. Yeah, but not. For um, not for long, no, no, no. Not until you get into the next training practice. But I, I just got a couple of questions before we get into the breakdown of it all. Um, 
first of all, I mean, we were talking before we went on air about um, you calling the game, uh, which you do. Everybody who is anybody who's a Cowboys fan knows that you're the voice. Uh, but a quick question for you when it comes to uh, obviously calling the game is your job and remaining professional. But when it gets to that sort of game and you're because the main thing is, is you're a Cowboys fan, just like anybody. Your heart and soul is a Cowboy. How do you try to remain professional on the microphone without trying to let the emotions get to it? So the trick, the, the real question for me actually is I'm now in year 42 of broadcasting. <laughs> uh, older than some of your parents. So, uh, unreal, man. Unreal. Um, unreal. The big question that I ask myself is with some of the things I've seen, and Sunday would be a great example, how have I mm -hmm. never cursed on the air? <laughs> I just don't know the answer to that question. How have I never cursed? Um <laughs> You learn, Mike, at some point uh, when you're doing local a local broadcast for a team like I am in this case, and I've done I've done a national broadcast both on radio and television of American football and basketball, a lot of different sports. When you are a team yeah. broadcaster, you have to find a way to combine the enthusiasm and excitement and natural emotion that the fan feels. Yeah. With exactly what you said, professional, don't, there's a line mm -hmm. you can't cross. You don't want to be yeah. screaming so uh, unduly that people can't understand <laughs> what you're saying. Um, and I think the, the main answer to the question would just be experience. It's just something you have to learn how to do. And either you learn it or you don't. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because you do see, uh, I'm not going to name names or, or teams that do it. You do hear some play callers absolutely blaring down the microphone and screaming and you're like, okay, yeah, that's uh, not the way to go. But my next question for you, though, in all the time you've been calling the Cowboys, I always love to ask this question. What has been, would you say, the biggest highlight of your career so far? I, I really think the... Um... The, the most memorable moment when I'm asked that, the first thing that I think of, which is usually the, the answer that you ought to give, is not uh, in a game, but uh, the afternoon of the Super Bowl in the 1992 season. They, <laughs> you know, they had been to the mountaintop. They had fallen mm -hmm. off the mountaintop and rolled into a cave and been oh, sitting yeah. up in the cave and then scratched their way out. And so they went from the one-win team of 1989 with essentially, obviously some changes, but essentially yeah. the same group of men. Four years later, they're in the Super Bowl. And after everything those guys had been through and watching Troy Aikman and Michael Irvin and Daryl Johnston and all that whole crew, Darren Woodson, after watching those guys scratch from where they'd been and be in position just to play in the game, and that mm -hmm. afternoon uh, at the Rose Bowl in Pasadena, California, uh, a phenomenal setting. The air was clear. It was beautiful sunshine, probably only about 75 degrees Fahrenheit. You can figure out what that is, Celsius. Uh, we don't acknowledge Celsius over here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and the sun shining, the mountains uh, are, are off in the background. It's one of the beauties of the Rose Bowl. Uh, but And there's still at like um, 1.30 in the afternoon, there's still dew on the grass. 
It was mm. absolutely celestial, heavenly. And I thought this is as close to a perfect moment as you're ever going to get. Now there's going to be mayhem out here on this field in about two yeah. and a half hours. But for right now, from where they've come from just a few short years ago to fight, mm. claw, and be in this position today, this is magic. So that is probably the one moment that I think of when someone says, what, what's, what's your biggest highlight? That is hard for me to get better than that feeling that moment. Yes. Um, uh, but, and then my last question before we get into it, I, I want to ask this. I ask every special guest is who is your current favorite player on the roster? Um, so when you have multiple children, <laughs> do you have multiple children? I've got one, but okay. I class. When you, I can... <laughs> when you have multiple children, I will come back and ask you, uh, which <laughs> is your favorite? Uh, uh, there are some that I am closer to uh, than yeah. others. Um, I, yeah. I feel uh, particularly close to uh, Sean Lee and Zach Martin. Um, mm -hmm. I, I greatly, greatly admire uh, the man whose shirt you're wearing. He is a he's, he's a warrior on the field, Dak Prescott. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And off the field, he is exactly what you want the leader of your side to be. He is he is a man of character. Uh, he will mm -hmm. keep straight. Uh, and, and he is one of the most natural-born leaders that I've ever seen. Uh, Tyrone Crawford is a personal favorite of mine because he's worked very hard to overcome a lot of injuries, and he's and – he's, uh, yeah just so stalwart without getting the biggest headlines. Um, but if I had to pick one guy, I might, I might make it Zach Martin. Cause I think he's going to be in the hall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, totally. I, I'm actually in the middle of creating a write up about Zach Martin. Um, so I'm going to finish doing that sometime before the season finishes well with everything going on. Well <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's all about time. It's all about time. Um, but let's get into uh, a few things. First of all, guys, uh, the first thing, just um, the usual call-outs we've got to give. First one is to Cowboys Experience, guys, who are our official sponsors of the TV show. Um, make sure whatever you do, guys, if you go to a game or next season when they're selling tickets, you book it through Cowboys Experience. Details are online now. Um, obviously, if you do book it through them, use the booking code UKCOWBOYS for a discount and another shout out of course as well is if you're out there watching the show comment i can see your comments coming in you got a question for us or more than likely you're going to have a question for the legend that is brad sham uh do that and we'll put your questions uh, and comments on the screen um but first ones uh first guys we'll take a look at uh, some injury updates uh that have occurred uh, this week. Uh, so the first one is Tyron Smith. He is, uh, as you mentioned, Brad, it was one that came up. He is uh, questionable at the moment, still with the, the um, neck injury. It has come out, though, Mike McCarthy today has been talking about um, Tyron. You got any light, though, uh, on anything further than what's been mentioned on Tyron Smith, Brad? Or I, I is it just yet, what's out? I, I don't yet. Today being Tuesday, uh, we actually don't have any access to them today. But okay. um, 
what the indications we're getting, I believe Jerry Jones said on the radio this morning that uh, they they think that it is related to the problem of stingers that he had in the past. That's right. And that they wanted to kind of hold him out last week with the hopes that he would be able to play this week and for a longer duration. So uh, it'll be it'll be after they get into the practice week Wednesday and Thursday before they know really. Excellent. Yeah. And then the other two then is Demarcus Lawrence, who who is dealing with a knee and uh, Chidobi Awuzie, who's dealing with a hamstring, who did leave the game early as well. Yeah. Um, so we've got quite a lot going on there uh, on the injury side, uh, as well as everything else that's going on. But if it's uh, anything to give some people some respite, it could be worse. You could be the 49ers. or. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they they were coming in thick and fast on the uh, over the weekend, uh, hey, and of hey, course, don't forget the Giants as well. Giants lost Saquon Barkley, yeah. and the old dreaded uh, ACL slash MCL is really taking its toll on the season. A perfect example of why you need preseason and, and the off-season uh, conditioning program. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I mean, um, preseason games are useful. But by the time they get to the preseason games, they've had a normal training camp and they've had a normal offseason, which really begins with physical uh, conditioning, um, really in starting in May. That's that's football specific uh, conditioning. So um, I think that I think they'll find that all of these injuries are very much related to those things. 100%, yeah. I think also as well as also with everything with COVID, it's like the restrictions of non-contact during practices yeah. as well. I think that has a big factor as well because we kind of noticed that during the whole Hard Knocks TV series where players were getting really frustrated like they couldn't do contact, like contact uh, like drills pretty much. And mm. now you're just like unleashing everyone. People yeah. are making these mistakes now. Yeah. Yeah, um, definitely. And, and it's everything. It's the part of practice, rookie mini camps, the whole lot. You know, the whole lot's gone. So conditioning's out the window. And I did mention it before during the off-season. I said, well, look, out the first three to four weeks is just going to be a bloodbath in terms of injury reporting. Oh, you're right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, 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 was, it, it was in the cards. It was in the cards. I think we, um, I think we all predicted it, to be honest. We. It was kind of, yeah, it's yeah. kind of hard not to say that it wasn't going to happen. Um, but let's get into guys. 17 ACL injuries so far up to week two. It's crazy, isn't it? 17. Yeah. It's pretty it's, it's, 17 ACL. That's mental. That is mental. It, it is pretty hefty. But let's get into it, guys, because we've only got Brad for the hour, so we don't want to talk for an hour about injuries uh, and then watch him disappear well, and sail off into the somewhere. And listen. If someone's in pain, then I'm, I'm here. I'm willing to listen. I'm here to listen. <laughs> uh, but let's get into, first of all, guys, breaking it down. I thought we'll start uh, from the top and talk about the Cowboys offense, first of all. Um, so as you can see, we've got the, the stats running across the bottom. But first of all, I'm going to get everyone, uh, all of y'all opinions. Um because it's going to be on this side, as far as I'm concerned. Who do we all agree as being the MVP of this game? Uh, uh, Jamie, do you want to go first? I think I think it's got to be Dak Prescott, and I just I just think with how the game started, um, it just wasn't pretty. You could arguably say that that first quarter was one of the 
worst first quarters mm. in recent memory. And, it, and he, he just he kept plugging away. And, he, and Brad mentioned that the kind of character he is off the field and, and on. He just showed that he's a leader and and yeah. I mean, he rallied the troops and I mean we ended up I mean clawing back what is probably the most unlikely victory that we'll probably see for a good few years. So that for me. Yeah, absolutely. It has to be that. And just to kind of follow up what Jamie just said there, it's like we did have that disaster first quarter. And with Dak's character and leadership, he pretty much transformed Brandon Knight and Terrence Steele completely overturned in that set, uh, second half of that whole game. They were mm. like, they were like, like you wouldn't think we had injuries to our offensive line during that whole second half. Like there was no, mm. I don't think there was, don't think there was any sacks, no turnovers or anything in that whole second quarter. So, uh, and that's all down to Dak and his leadership and just getting the players on board and just, oh uh, man, like uh, yeah, Dak, Dak MVP for sure. And don't forget, he yeah. went into the uh, medical tent to be That's examined. Yeah. He did not have a concussion, but they gave him the test. Andy Dalton came in for two plays. He yeah. came out of the tent on uh, third and goal of the one and called his yeah. own. And I said when he came out of the tent, I said, well, one thing I'm pretty sure they're not going to do is run Prescott right here. And he came <laughs> no, no, <laughs> Never mind. I'll do it. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah, was that was that not, was that not the play when they had Antoine Woods playing at fullback? Uh, yes, they actually had yeah. him. Uh, he was on the line. Yeah, and oh, so yeah. that's two games yeah. in a row they've done that now. So I'm just waiting for him to throw the ball to Antoine. <laughs> yeah, oh, but man, funny. That would be amazing. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned one of the notes I made was um, just to give. Uh, you know, to reiterate really about Dak's character and leadership skills is that he goes, <laughs> yeah, and let's remember that the knock he took before that play, before he went in the tent, was a bit of a dirty hit, in my opinion. Um, coming in late, clearly yeah. trying to put him to the ground, goes into the tent. The next play was, like you say, on third down, and he runs the ball. Like, what, what human being would do that? No, surely your bell's still going to be ringing. I hope not, yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Just got to show up a quick comment. Our, yeah, friend, just, our, our, yeah. our friend, our friend, our friend, Seth's watching. Shout out to Seth. Yeah. How you doing, man? Good to see you. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, on uh, the front of um, everything as well. Funny that you mentioned that. The next thing I was going to go to was what did you make um, between all of you? What did you make uh, of the, the first quarter issues being out of sync? is a definite issue, I think, uh, that was it. There was no synchronicity going on. But what, what was the main cause, really, uh, of the Zeke fumbles in the first quarter? Anyone got a take on that? Well, to me, it was. I think it was more of a, just the way how Zeke kind of like drove in. And fair play to uh, the linebacker, is it Ola Kuno, the Falcons middle uh, linebacker? Like, the way how he managed to, like, like like get his hand through and strip that ball. Like he did a great job. Like not many people get that opportunity on Zeke. So what he did, he executed like, perfectly to make Zeke up from the ball. Mm. I mean that is very rare to see him do that. Uh, see make a mistake like that. So, uh, but yeah, uh, it's very rare. <laughs> well, you know, Paul, like, uh, Aloha Khan. First of all, Zeke only fumbled once. Zeke lost one. Uh, 
Dak lost one, which he should Dak not try to yep. stand forward. And, 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 Pollard uh, lost yeah. one that was overturned because his knee mm-hmm. was down. And then yes. Schultz lost one later. Yes, a lot right, of yep. time went to high school together. They're all all right. That's right, yeah, because the, the TV broadcast actually showed that on, on screen. Yeah. They showed them from high school and that. I, you know, uh, Mike, I would say this. Um, we do an interview with Mike McCarthy about an hour and a half before the game. And uh, the last question I asked him, I really only asked him because I had a few seconds to fill and I was trying to hit time exactly. You guys will understand that. Yeah. And uh, so I said um, – well, it's the first time you've had this team after a loss. How was practice this week? And, you know, usually the coach will say, oh, it, you know, it was fine. It was good. They were into it. And, and he said, uh, I was all right. We'll, 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 <laughs> we'll practice better. And Babe Laufenberg and I looked at each other as we heard him say that. Excuse me. The coach just said, eh, it was okay. So... <laughs> I, I think that when you have three, four different players fumble, and, and these are not fumbling players, um, yeah. there was they just were flat. They were mentally, for some reason, they were not ready to play. And yeah. that can't happen because you, you're you not going to come out of a hole like that again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. I think it's, it's certainly a wake-up call for sure. That was- yeah, yeah. But yeah, here's one for you, right? Um, the coaching, because you, you, you touched on it. I would definitely say, based on that game, that you got to remember that the only reason the Falcons were in this game was due to the first quarter issues. I actually yeah. strongly believe, well, number one, Dan Quinn is in a lot of trouble right now. I think uh, he's, he's, he's definitely he's, in the hot going. seat. He's going. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. But what more than anything that I saw out of the two, the coaching staff on, and I'm talking offense, defense, and special teams, that the Dallas Cowboys completely were on point and out-coaching the Falcons coaching staff. I don't know if that's a take that you guys believe in. If I was to say, if, if you took that whole first quarter away from the game and started from that second quarter onwards, we'd be talking a whole completely different conversation here. You would say Dallas were the overall the better old team, but we still can't ignore the fact that first quarter actually happened. But if you're right though, there, Mike. I, I kind of feel as though as the the game progressed, we were getting the better of the Falcons, regardless in every scenario. Because I, I think that the believe it or not, I think there was six drives by the Falcons in that first half. They scored six uh, every time. Like he was touched out or by field goal. Then when it came into the second half, we really limited them down to only 10 points in that fourth quarter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I said for the second half, sorry. Uh, and I truly believe the Cowboys in, in this particular game as well were the better team. That if it wasn't for those those fumbles at the beginning, you think how different that game would look. Yeah. Well, Jamie, you're being awful quiet. Is there anything that you you want to chip in there? Before I don't want to dominate. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, like say just the um, there was just a bit of uncertainty on the start. Just so many changes, especially at two prominent positions. I mean, either side of the bookends. Like I say that the guys, I think between them, they had two starts, maybe some along those lines. So they say just kind of failed the way into the game, weren't they? Say once they got a bit of continuity going. There was no stopping us. If that game would have gone a little bit longer, I think we'd have scored over 50. 
<laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Dallas, Dallas Jess just kind of summed it up there for that first quarter there. Yeah, I know, but that, make, that makes me sad that it killed her soul. I mean, there's a... You let <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it kill your soul. We could all be sad or even uh, angry or, irrita or irritated, but uh, don't let it kill your soul. The thing that I keep getting back to is... Um, and it's I don't know what would have happened if the first quarter had been played clean. Who knows? Mm. Atlanta, yeah. Atlanta has some good things about them, but they've lost twice, and, and they got off to a horrible start last year. So he, their coach is on the hot seat. But mm. when, you, when we say that if, if, it hadn't, if you could take away the, that first quarter, then, then blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, if pigs had feathers, they could fly. <laughs> and in the first quarter, that, that's you have to learn from that. You have to learn from it as coaches. Uh, you have to learn from it as uh, players, and and you have to make sure that that doesn't happen again because that can define you as much as the comeback. You don't want to have to come back again like that. Mm. Uh, and uh, like we we have our own UK Cowboys uh, staff chat with the people who are involved in everything at all. To be politically correct, <laughs> just to be politically correct, we'll say there is a number of personalities who expressed a range of emotions oh, during uh, the. Point. Yes, thank you. Thank that, that's you. the best yeah. way to put it. Yeah. So, um, all I kept saying, the, 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 <laughs> yeah, but the, the best thing that I kept saying is I said, look, what you've got to remember is the game of four quarters, and the worst thing you can do is to go miles ahead in the first quarter. Because now your defense is gonna have a heavy, a heavy role in this game, which can completely burn them out. Um, and that really was the thing I kept saying. Well, it's a really good point because the, the the rules changes over the years have made uh, throwing the ball every uh, for everyone easier than it used to be. And uh, I I always say that um, since they've really liberalized <laughs> the rules. Um, I, okay, Dallas just says the next three <laughs> resuscitated her. But yeah, <laughs> I just thought I'd give you a follow-up. Fair enough. The first one was a car wreck, but a car wreck doesn't have to kill your soul. No, no, no. I agree. Just crush your car. Um, <laughs> there you go. There you go. There you go. I, I, I like to say oh. that um, in the NFL now, it's like an NBA game where a 20-point lead sounds like it should be a big deal, but it's yeah. just yep. – isn't anymore. And, nope. and if you're, you have to stay on, there was a time when if you had a 10 point lead in the fourth quarter, that game was over. No one was coming yeah. back from that. Yeah. But now yeah. the Cowboys were now fair enough. This game was really unusual, but mm -hmm. they were 12 points down with four minutes and 49 seconds left to play. You, you, if you're in Atlanta, you just can't lose that game. You can't. Mm -hmm. So I've grown my, I had my theories at halftime. I, I figured at halftime, I was like, you know what? This is not, like, not to kind of bring back Jason Garrett into the conversation, but it's it's Mike McCarthy. He's played at Cowboys before. He's done this so many times with two-minute clocks before, last-minute plays that killed us and that. And I always thought at halftime, it's like, just need to keep a little bit of faith. That's all we needed. And that's yeah. what happened. So yeah, much. Definitely. So much. Yeah. 
I don't know if you guys have heard of Yogi Berra, a, a great American baseball player of the uh, of the fifties, sixties, and and Yogi was uh, played for the New York Yankees, and he, and he was famous for uh, non sequiturs and saying really unusual things. And one of his favorite Yogiisms of mine is fifty um, percent of this game is ninety percent mental. Mm. I don't, know if you know Brad, but I don't know if you know Brad, but Jamie's a big Yankees fan. Well, Jamie does strike me as a bit of a front runner, but that, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That was perfect. Oh. <laughs> but, uh, what, what I like is that, that that's a nice set. Go on, Jay. No, I was just going to say, just we just we talking about Mike McCarthy there as well. I think I don't know if anybody saw Dave on his tweet after the game, and I think he just kind of summed up kind of the morale after the game as well when they asked him about obviously um, playing at AT and T, and he said that he was um, he was still undefeated at AT and T, and kind of just left it like a mic drop, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, what I like is you were just talking there about psychology of the game, um, so. One of the questions I was going to pose to you guys is um, second half, completely different Cowboys team. Well, slightly before the second half, you could see momentum starting to, to gather yeah. and to build. Yeah, it was no the Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but the second half mindset and psyche that came out, if it, uh, maybe it, it, this is a good one for you, uh, Brad. Go it, coming out into that second half, what do you think is going through the minds uh, of those players in order to be able to find a way to get a win. Do you just think that there's um, there's just this talk of we are we are not losing? Or do you think there's the opposite of we are going to win this? I think that the uh, I'm not usually a big one for halftime speeches making a difference at the <laughs> professional level. These are grown men with families yeah. uh, playing against grown men with families. But uh, I think they were all completely stunned. Now, they had had a little bit of success. They had scored, right? They'd gotten on the board. But um, mm -hmm. apparently when they went in or just before they came out onto the field for the second half, McCarthy yeah. said to them, we needed this. We needed to be here to find out what we're made of. So mm -hmm. don't worry about the score worry about what we're made of and what we're going to show of ourselves now. And I think that that may have taken a little bit of a, a gorilla off their backs and uh, enabled them to go play because they certainly played hard after that. Yes. After that uh, slumber of a first quarter, uh, they played hard on both sides of the ball. They didn't always play well. But they certainly played hard. And then once you get a couple of scores, and our producer in the booth and I both said, I can't even remember what the halftime score was, but I think they'd gotten it down to, to a two-score game. And I remember saying, they can do this. This is, a, this is doable yeah. in this league if you, if you get a – because they're going to have the ball to start the third quarter. So you, you get a score, yeah. you get a stop, you get a score, and suddenly the whole thing is turned upside down. Once they cut it to uh, three, then th that's almost tied unless the clock's all at zeros. So I think the answer to your question, Mike, is, is that um, this is a team that's still learning itself. 
Yes. This is true of every team in the NFL because of COVID. Thank you, COVID. Um, they, they didn't have a chance to form as a team in the spring. And uh, they didn't come together until really just a couple of weeks before it was time to start preparing for the season in training camp. So they really still have to find out about uh, coming together. And I think in team sports, whatever the sport, uh, my experience is one of the hardest things to do is learn how to win. There's those little fine things yeah. that happen in a game. And, and I don't care. I don't care if it's, uh, I don't care if it's basketball or the EPL or American football. I think in team sports, you have to learn how to overcome those obstacles. One thing that can be a positive from Sunday is they will now know they're never out of a game because you're never going to be more out of a game than they were in that one. And so that I think that, uh, I'm, I think that the, the coaching staff helped the psychology at halftime. Yeah, and that's very funny that, that you, you're almost, uh, I swear you'll read in what I've got written down, is the, the next thing that I was going to lead to is when you're a team who isn't the Cowboys and you're in the NFL and you've got the Cowboys on uh, your schedule, what does that do psychologically now when you see a comeback like that? Like, say, the Seahawks this week, are they looking at that thinking, oh, geez. Oh, no, 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 the Seahawks are really good. And, and even though now normally Seattle is one of the hardest places to play because of the the fans and the noise that they make, the proximity they have to the field, uh, no fans in the state of Washington. Thank you, COVID. Uh, so now it's still going to be still going to be eerie, still going to be very weird. But that team, it that's a team on a roll. Uh, Russell Wilson might be playing as well as any quarterback in the league right now. Mm. So they're not thinking, uh-oh, they're thinking they're, – they're putting up the tape and looking at what the Cowboys did wrong, and they're saying, oh, we're going to score 60. We're going to kill these guys. And the Cowboys are thinking, okay, let's, let's see if we can build on that. And they've got to start doing that tomorrow. Uh, and let's see if we can build on that. And then – but I was talking to a club official today about some – you know, interesting games and seasons in the past. And I believe it was, I believe it was 2014 when they were on a roll, Seattle, they were a juggernaut. Uh, oh yeah. Unbeaten. And the Cowboys went up there and stole a game and, uh, and beat them and, and beat them rather handily, beat them up, got very physical. And, and that was the game to me that kind of, and that was a Cowboy team that I believe won 12 games. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think that was the game where they announced themselves. So I think Seattle's not afraid. They're they're looking forward to everybody loves to beat the Cowboys. Oh yeah, Yankees. You know, everybody loves <laughs> Man U. Everybody loves to be whoever's perceived to be the big club, whether they in fact yeah. are uh, yeah, of course. Yeah, and it gets you in the limelight. Um, but let's move on to uh, a bit more of a controversial subject with the Cowboys at the moment. Oh. Yeah, the, oh. the Cowboys' oh. defense. Paul is throwing up his hands, and he says, "I'll have none of it." Thank you. Oh no, no, no! <laughs> I'm just there. I'm trying to like, hold my tongue a little bit. <laughs> Okay, well, luckily, Paul, you played defensive line, so yeah. this is going to be handy 
for the uh, first question I'm going to check out at you guys is uh, is the D line right now a concern? Two sacks and two games. Not necessarily. I still, yeah. I still, not based on what. Like I still keep saying this week to week. It's lack of like, and Brad just completely like mentioned it before. It's the bonding as well. Knowing the playbook, mm-hmm. knowing your gaps, hit like knowing the situation, especially like scenarios. Like if you're fucking five, obviously they depend on what that. But it's also the fact that people don't realize is the laws now in a two point stance now, rather than the yep. point. That's a whole different dynamic as a defensive end. Completely different dynamic. You're not you, some of that. You're not. Used to, it t- takes you time to readjust. So that can have a thing on it, but. Whether the coaching staff might switch, uh, Jim Tilsola might switch that back to a, a more three-point stance for the fourth forefront, we'll, well, we need to find out. But it's like Brad said, it's, it's been a lot of transitions this year with the coaching, yeah, and and the players like, and thank you, COVID once again, that. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but a, a question for you, uh, Brad. That ties in with the D line as well. Have you got any concerns right now uh, about Mike Nolan and the, what he's trying to do with this defense? Are you a little bit nervous? Um, not not two games in, uh, and I think that mm-hmm. uh, and and I think that the thing that Paul is saying uh, makes sense, and I think the things that. Uh, Sevian is uh, typing up here. Is uh, whether it'll be week six, I don't know, but it's going to take some time. It's going to take yes. longer than usual. Yeah. Now, Mike Nolan, mm-hmm. and, and if if you go to uh, DallasCowboys.com, I did this this morning, and they put up uh, the um, interviews that Nolan and uh, John Fossil and Kellen Moore had yesterday, and it's yeah. very interesting. To hear Nolan talk, he was asked directly, are you are you concerned about the pass rush? The yeah. stakes are one. It's lovely to have the number of sacks. I'm always much more interested in how much did you disrupt the passer? How much yes. you don't have to sack him. How much did you make him do something he didn't want to do? Move in the mm-hmm. pocket. Throw somewhere he didn't want to throw. Mm-hmm. They haven't really done much of that in the first two games. And what Mike Nolan said, which is why I think my answer to your question, Mike, right now is not, not so much, uh, is that what he's, what he is disappointed in, and that's his word is not so much the individual, uh, certainly effort of the, of the players, but they haven't really come together yet. They haven't learned to play off each other. They haven't learned to gel and rush, uh, as a unit and hit the right gaps. And so I, I do think that this is a unit of which much was expected. Uh, I've been a big Everson Griffin fan throughout his career. He had a sack, but it was yes. a sack. I, I'm, I'd like to see a little more consistent pressure out of him. I think there's a very good chance we'll see it. Um, mm-hmm. the, you know, I would like for Lawrence to be healthy. Lawrence is such a spectacular run player, and there's no statistics for that. But he he really is outstanding at that. And, you know, Alden Smith has been more than they expected. But but they have not asserted themselves. They haven't made a big difference yet as a defensive line. And they really need 
that the style they're playing and the and the way they're playing is really with only two linebackers and then an extra man in the secondary. And don't forget, one of those linebackers was supposed to be Leighton Vander Esch, and he looked phenomenal in training camp. He looked better mm-hmm. than he did as a rookie. And it's now going to be at a broken clavicle. He had surgery. I'm turning in here to look at my schedule and calendar. I would say it'll be another one, two, three, four, five, maybe six more weeks before he's yeah. If they're in the thick of it and the rest of the division looks like they're intent on making sure that everybody's in the thick of it, <laughs> if you're going to tell me I'm going to have a healthy Leighton Vander Esch for the second half of the season, I'll take that. He's a big difference maker. But oh, yeah, the- absolutely. The average secondary, as Diggs gets better, that'll look better. But you've got to have a pass rush. You've got to have a steady, consistent uh, disruption of the passer, and they haven't had that yet. And it'll be hard to find it this week because that quarterback is really hard to track down. He can make ridiculous plays out on the edge all by himself. Yeah, he's super elusive. Just to just to kind of follow up a bit, like a deal law and stuff. Uh, I mean, I know in the Rams game, he, he didn't record any sacks or anything like that, but he still managed to gain. I think it was like the highest amount of QB pressures uh, against the Jared Goff in the Rams game. I mean, yes, he did. And, yeah. and even though people are saying, "Oh, there's not enough sacks," it's a numbers game, and that. But but the fact that he's still doing his job, he's still putting pressure on the quarterback and throwing it to where he doesn't want to throw it. That's still part of the dealing. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, 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 I think I, as well, because just obviously with everything that's going on in the world at the minute, the now obviously playing in a, in a in a new system. I think as much as we hated the well, I say hated, we grew to start d- disliking the the last regime, so to speak. Um, if if the last coaches was were were in charge now, I don't think I don't know if we'd be having this kind of conversation just for the fact that they were used to. The playbook, the personnel, all that kind of thing. So, it, you know what I mean, being disrupted as much as they have done yeah. by t- obviously having a new set of coaches coming, it, it's gonna, like I say, it's gonna take time for them to get back into full swing if we'd have continued under under Jason Garrett. So, I think on first look, yeah, it, it could be worrying, but you've got to take in obviously all the outside factors that they like say that God knows how many weeks that they missed that and. I mean, I think if I'm thinking right, but did they not just kind of have the playbook while they were kind of locked out of the of, of training camp and, and the the building? So they've they've not really had as much time as they normally would. So it's not worrying. I don't think personally for myself at the minute. I think like, if you get to week six and we're still lacking in numbers, then I think yeah, you, you start to worry then. Well, you need to keep in mind as well. It's not just. Eyes as well. It's all over. It's all the yeah. all thirty-two teams in the NFL. They're in the same situation. Some are probably worse than us right now. Like, um, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a little bit of dissing right here, but the Eagles right now. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, but I, I mean, like, here's <laughs> an interesting one though, right? That I thought we could just pin on just going through some stats the first one that's quite interesting is we still outscored the falcons so the defense did some work bear in mind the that the falcons offense had 33 over 33 minutes of time of play which is huge massive too many 
Yeah, yeah, it's dry. So that, that, that is, so they still had a lot to do. Some positive notes. Uh, Stefan Diggs uh, versus Julio Jones. Uh, Julio Jones, two receptions for 24 yards, although he did have a big miss, um, which should have been a touchdown. Uh, that's quite interesting. Our last one is Todd Gurley kept for 61 yards as well. So I, I would say uh, about Julio Jones, uh, he, he was running on a bad hamstring. Yes. And now, yes. now uh, read me Calvin Ridley's numbers. I know, yeah, yeah. Uh, and there is an elite right runner of 109 yards and, yeah, two touchdowns. Yeah. So, yeah. And, I mean, yeah, that was crazy. But, um, I mean, even Hayden Hurst, who, who looked good as well. Um, mm. And I, one I forgot to mention as well on the offensive side was Dalton Schultz. Yes, you know, no, you hear about unsung heroes before, oh, and yeah. I, I want to see what happens with him. He may have announced himself in this game. It looked like mm -hmm. when Blake Darwin got hurt in Los Angeles. Uh oh, there's a weapon that we were planning on that we now are not going to have. Dalton Schultz yeah. showed up very well in a number yes. of areas in this game. I'm looking forward to watching him going forward. You know what the funny, you know the, the funny part about when we were talking about Dalton Schultz before in previous shows, we always thought as him as more of a blocker than a, a catcher. Like yeah. he's there, he's mainly, mainly there just for the uh, run blocks more than anything. But no, he's he's he's, he's definitely made me shut up. He's made Brian shut up. He's made I think quite a lot of people shut up. To be honest. <laughs> yeah. uh, listen, listen. You, you can't eat you, you, you another one as well is you can't forget the other tight end Blake Bell who got us out of a third down sticky oh, situation. Man. That catch, that that one catch, and I think it was in the fourth quarter where he must, yeah. just managed, managed to get his two feet in. Oh my god, that was a bit, a oh. buoy. Um, well, but, now, are, are you guys familiar with Blake Bell's college career? No, I, I really missed that one. Bell. So Blake Bell, who is on his third or fourth professional team was a yes. quarterback at Oklahoma. And uh, and he was pretty good. He wasn't great, but he was pretty good. But especially in an option offense, he was effective. And I'm just going to tell you this to remember it for down the road because it appears that Mike McCarthy's not afraid to try anything. They used to, um, after they got some, some more classic quarterbacks, uh, while Bell was still there, they used to – run him out uh, even when he wasn't starting the game at quarterback they'd bring him in in short yardage and goal line situations and he was so good at powering in from goal line situations uh people started calling him the bell dozer <laughs> oh i do remember that yeah and that's who they've got there in blake bell so he's a pro yeah. smart guy he's not he's not nifty uh, but he can catch mm. the ball he can block and he's very smart good with his feet so I, I think he'll I think he'll make his share of big plays, and then don't be surprised if they, because this offense uses tight ends and fullbacks interchangeably. They didn't keep mm -hmm. a true fullback, so that's why Antoine Woods is in as the fullback on some short yardage stuff. You, Mark, I'm, Hart, a, I'm, a, I'm a I'm a big Antoine Woods fan. And he's very active on Twitter. You can tweet him. Oh no, I've met I've met him. I've met him. Like oh, I don't know if you met, because yeah. I don't know I don't know if you know that, but the Cowboys did a documentary on myself um two years ago. I did. And, 
And uh, uh, basically, it was through Shannon Bros that helped me out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to get out. And uh, basically, after being on Hanging with the Boys, went through, met Zeke, met Ty- uh, Tyron Crawford, um, oh God, who else? Leighton. St- and I couldn't believe the size of Leighton. Like, yeah. I actually thought he should, I thought he should be a defensive end rather than a linebacker because of his height. <laughs> and then Antoine came out. I was like, holy crap, Antoine, what's that you doing? <laughs> But uh, sorry, I had to throw that in there. <laughs> yeah, but why not? He will, if you tweet him, he'll tweet you back. He he's he's very active and he's a great guy. But you'll just see you'll see the belldozer before the year is over. Up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then just to finish off on the defensive side, uh, you were talking about unsung heroes, and it was one I've put on here was uh, for us, Joe Thomas. Oh, absolutely yes. did his job fantastically. Um, but let's get on to the more uh, fun side of everything. Let's look at special teams. Um, so, yeah, this will pretty much finish off. Uh, so we've got 10 minutes to talk about this. So, first of all, we're not going to go to the what they're calling the watermelon kick. It's actually called a watermelon kick, what they've done, um, just in case you weren't aware. But I want to go, first of all, to the two fourth down attempts. Uh, so they were 0-2 on fourth down. The first one, I'm quite happy about in terms of what they were trying to do. Yeah. Is everyone in agreement there? Absolutely. Yeah, we, need, we, needed, we needed a kick. We didn't win. You've got to try some, haven't you? So... The, the thing is, if you really look back on it, like they were really caught off guard as well. But it was mm-hmm. just, we, it just, we just didn't execute it properly. That's the only thing. It was a drop, yeah, yeah. yeah. But well, actually, Chris threw a bad ball. I mean, and it I'm, was... a, I'm a big Chris Jones fan, but they had the play, and Chris would be the first one to tell you he just he just didn't get his feet set and he didn't get a grip on the ball. Now, you guys know about John Fossil's history as the special teams yeah. coach yeah. at the Rams. Their punter there, Johnny Hecker, who's like mm. a nine, 10-year guy, he's thrown the ball at least once a year, every year but one in his career, sometimes three or four times. And uh, th- th- it's not a surprise that Fossil would run a fake punt, uh, and he'll do it some more. There will be other things. I had Greg Zerline on a show on Monday, and I said, now let me ask you this. Do you guys have in the book uh, any place that I know what he does with punters, and I've seen Hecker, and I said, mm-hmm. you're a place kicker. Do is there anything in the book where you get to be? I don't know. Shall we say a little more of an athlete? And <laughs> and he smiled and he said, "You like to ask questions that I can't answer, don't you?" As an answer, and we'll look forward to it. Thank you very much. But apparently, um, you know, I know we'll get to the, the the watermelon kick in a moment. But they were practicing that, and as a fact. They they actually attempted that particular type of kick against us last year with Hecker with the punter, with Hecker, yeah. Zerline, yeah. which may they have actually been, yeah it may have been because Zerline uh, was fighting a groin injury last year which is why he was available one reason the Rams didn't keep him I'll tell you though that in that it was interesting to me that uh, Fossil said yesterday that they've practiced it about six times. Mm-hmm. Zerline, when I had him on the show on Monday, Zerline said in Los Angeles they had a an, a, uh, an aspect of 
training on Thursday that they called Competition Thursday. They could make up some games. And he and the punter and the long snapper and the special teams coaches uh, used to uh, map out a little tic-tac-toe board with cones on the field. And he said we would play what we called kick-tac-toe. And he said, I tried that <laughs> kick. I did that kick playing kick-tac-toe uh, with, with Hecker and with uh, McQuaid, the Rams' long snapper. So Zerline's been doing that for a little while. Now, Fossil didn't get into that, but um, it is – you're correct that it is something that he tried last year with the other guy. And now, now the question is now, can you do that again? Mm. I mean, I mean, everyone will look for it now. If you ever line yeah. up another onside kick, can you do that again, or do you have to come up with something else? I've always said it, right? Uh, we, we was talking about this before that we all know the odds. Uh, I mean, we, we may as well because I think we're in agreement. The first fourth down attempt was okay. The second one a little bit weirder. Um, I disagree with that one. Uh, no, I, I I don't mind the call. I just didn't like the play call. What they tried to to do, that you're you're on fourth and five, you're yeah. going to snap it. You're going to snap it to your personal protector, and he's already three or four yards deep. So really, it's a fourth and eight. He's trying to run the ball on. I'm uh, to me, I would have kept the offense on the field if you're going to go for it. You would have yeah. had more of a chance. Yeah, it's more to do with that special teams play. I completely disagree. But if, like you said, there, Mike, if we were going for it, just put Dak back on. Go for it. I'm, I'm, like, just yeah. go for it. You got more of a chance going that way. You know, you, get... you, you mentioned the kick as well. Just, just to kind of touch back yeah. on that, it just, yeah, yeah. It, it first of all, surprised me the fact that he was kicking off the floor. And I, I can't remember. I don't can't remember the last time I ever saw that. And then when you actually watch the ball, I think. It looks like it looks like it's going to go out after about six yards, and then all of a sudden just takes a completely ninety degree turn, and just mm. it's just amazing how he managed to get the ball to just move that way that quick, and just I'm surprised there's no gifts out there at the minute, and no memes of the, um, the Falcons <laughs> defense just kind of looking around, thinking what the heck is going on here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, I've said it before. We know the odds of onside kicks are like very badly in the favour of the the return uh, of the receiving team, if you like. Um, but I've always said before, if you ever want to try an onside kick, do something different and funky. And if there's, you've got to catch them off guard. Something is just where you're like, what do we do? And go on. Sorry, I'll, I'll come back to Dan Quinn's comments that he made about that kick. Well, but I don't know what you guys think of it. Well, you need to kind of, I think a lot of people need to remember it's like practicing for onside kicks can be quite dangerous. Like, yeah, like yeah. If, you're, if you're like, if you're doing it, it's more or less walkthroughs and there's no way you can't make any content or trying, like, trying in case of risk of injury for just a special teams play. Like, it's, yeah, it, it was pure, like, I'm, I'm gonna say it was an absolute fluke. I still can't believe the Falcons, it's like they completely forgot the rule book. It's like they could touch the ball, they could still touch it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Do you know, it, 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 it sounded loud as well when we got the ball back. So it's just a shame that there couldn't have been a packed out at and Stadium because so, I, mean, I was it supposed sounded to like be there. Anyway, I was the supposed to be been there. Off. That, uh, I, Thank I you, was one COVID. of... 
<laughs> it was one of the things I put in my notes that the only disappointing thing about that game, or the biggest disappointment, was the fact that the game was so high octane, high temper, the way it ended, and you you know you didn't have a hundred thousand people in that stadium. I think that's quite sad. I, I tell you what, for the nineteen thousand people or whatever that was is there, you can still hear them. You oh yeah, yeah. definitely. Uh, and what a memory for those people. Um, oh, yeah, but, Robert and Mike. <laughs> I know. Sorry, mate. <laughs> but then let's finish off then so we can finish the show off. Let's yeah. um, just talk about the, 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 the field goal that finished it off. Um, how nervous were we all feeling? And did you feel it was going to be an automatic 46-yarder? I think, I need I think, I think, I think when I you get it. when you get the... The game back by the scruff of the neck is the way we did. Um, there, there was, for me, he wasn't going to miss. It, it could have been back another ten yards, and he would have still got it for me. It was just you could the momentum shift was just it, you, could, you could. There was only going to be one winner for me. Um, mm. I'd say take it back another ten yards, he would have still kicked it in the wind as well. <laughs> uh, but I, I mean, I, I was saying it before he kicked it. Is you got Greg Zerline kicking in a dome. As an indoor kicker, Zerline yeah. is, is built for it. He's absolutely and fair enough. It. The end zone doors were open, so it wasn't it wasn't completely, completely closed. Uh, okay, but, but I will say this: having watched him all training camp, he I think I think he um, missed one sixty yarder in training camp, and the next kick they let him do it again, and he made. Um, mm. And not knowing him before. Uh, just with the way he came out, I, I felt just like Jamie. The way he came out, reading his body language, uh, I, I don't think it was ever a question whether he was going to make that. He was. I'd have been shocked if he didn't make it. He just had all the certainty that you needed. Just tee me up. And I asked him, by the way, I said, do you know how long a kick like that is? Are you thinking about it? Do you know? I mean, I know if, you know if it's 30 yards. I guess you know if it's 60 yards, but if it's hmm. something like that, uh, do you um, do you have any idea uh, what uh, what the distance? He said, "I had no idea, and I didn't want to know." Just go out and kick. <laughs> <it>. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the best way. But yeah. I mean, it was a it was a, it was a beautiful kick. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, it was and you're right. Yeah. Another ten yards would have still been no problem. Yeah, definitely. Easily. But um, that is. The uh, end of the post game show, guys. We've ripped Ooh. through it all, and uh, we did say oh. an hour, Brad. Uh, so we're we're pretty much um, up on. to that hour with you. And we know you're a busy man, uh, and you've got a lot going on, and everything going on with Rona. You've got to sort of bounce about with what you're going to do working from home and trying to do work in the office. Yeah, but you know, uh, both doing a little bit of both. <laughs> Most of it's here. Um, and when we're done, I'm going to clean up some emails and then go back to uh, watching my tape of the game from Sunday. And then uh, this evening, I'll probably be watching the tape of the Seattle game with uh, New England. Yeah. When you say cleaning up, e e when you say cleaning up emails, that's got to be about the forty thousand messages we've sent you as well. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Only in three digits right now, thank goodness. So I'm I'm okay. Oh, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, thank you very much for joining us. I, uh, oh, as we I said before it. the show, oh, yeah, had, had a great time. Let's, let's do it again later in the season. 
definitely. Oh, we we, no, we'd definitely, absolutely yeah. love it, Brad. Um, so, yeah, we'll get you on again and we'll find out how you're getting on, making sure you're keeping safe, making sure the family's doing good. Yeah, um, you. And, all, uh, and all the team as well that you're working with. Um, but make sure you do stay safe, uh, socially distanced and doing all yeah. the good stuff that they tell all you to do out there. Same to you guys. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and just before you go, yes. because we won't have you on our pre-game show, do you have a prediction for the Seattle Seahawks game for us? I have to watch Seattle first. All right, then. <laughs> We're going to have to play better. <laughs> yeah, but um, thank you very much for joining us, Brad. Just thank the last you. comment there. Um, yes, like you. you say, We'll see you again, uh, speak to you then. But for now, thank you very much for joining us. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Thank you. See you Bye. all again, everyone. See you all there. <laughs>